Okay, so we've been uh, dealing with this topic of living like Jesus lived. I think we have one or two weeks left because he does this thing called Ascension, you know. So that means I got to change the series because he's, you know. Okay, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Uh, are we live, by the way? Good, awesome. Okay, so this whole idea of the series was to revisit some stories of who this Jesus is we say we believe in. And what are the stories that we may have forgotten or we may have only been given one perspective or one lens on some of the stories. So over the last number of weeks, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed uh, kind of opening up the stories and reading through and highlighting some key things you would never have thought about. The goofy hopping out from Lazarus to, to you name it, to the guy popping up out of the casket. Like There's some amazing perspectives here that make the stories come alive. These are real stories. And so I want to continue and look at some stories today that we may not have visited before or we've only been shared one narrative and today I want to talk about the resurrection. I know last Sunday was Easter, and we talked about some other stuff, but now I'm not in a rush. I was in a rush for weeks trying to make sure I get all these stories in before Easter, because I want everything to lead up to Easter, and, you know, because everybody's going to notice how sequential they are, right? <laughs> so here I am going through these accounts, and now we're going to look at the resurrection story. So today, um, what are some things you may have forgotten about the story of the resurrection? Um, if you just go to church on Christmas and Easter, we call them C&E Christians. Um, those are, uh, uh, C&E is a fair that's around here, if, if you're not from around here. But uh, the idea is you're only going to hear one quick summary of the resurrection. You're not going to hear uh, the lens, and that's what I want to focus in on today. So if I can have, oh, here we go, oops, back, yep. The, 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 we're going to first begin from the death when Jesus died, what happened right at the cross when they pulled his body down? And we're going to talk about Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, if you don't know that name, you're going to today. But this is a kind of a cool part of the story. And there's something I was reminded of as I was preparing. I didn't realize there was a second character in the story of Joseph of Arimathea. This account can be found in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is critical because when all four Gospels cover it, there's, there's, there's clearly a pattern, and each one shares something different. In fact, once we're done with Joseph, we're then going to take a look at the resurrection accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want you to see the differences. Uh, you're going to notice some discrepancies. How come one said this and the other guy said that? Well, that's a great question, and we're going to kind of walk through some of that and uh, realize this is one story from four different lenses. These are four different authors who've inquired, investigated, and recorded down what they have learned from eyewitnesses. That's key, eyewitnesses. Let's take a look at the story of Joseph of Arimathea. After this, Joseph from the city of Rama, or Arimathea in Greek, who was a secret disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jewish authorities. He was part of the Sanhedrin, by the way. Sanhedrin were a, a controlling part of the temple. I think they're the ones who ran the, um, uh, not the food court, market court. <laughs> See, I'm hungry. We, got, we have a luncheon today. I can smell the meatballs. and Yeah, just sorry. Here we go. So they were kind of in charge of the marketplace of the selling and trading and uh, coin exchange, blah, blah, blah. So he, he was a secret disciple. He, he wanted to know. He believed in Jesus. 
but his role made it almost impossible. That's why another guy named Nicodemus, also a secret guy, uh, met with Jesus late at night and had a long conversation with Jesus. We find that in John chapter 3. So here's what happened. Um, He went up and asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. So Pilate granted him permission to remove the body from the cross. Now, this is Passover weekend. Like, time is flying really, really fast. According to their customs, they, they had to clean up a body if it died and get it into a burial immediately to fit custom of the day. So the story continues. Now, Nicodemus, and this is the part that surprised me. I, I just forgot Nicodemus was part of the story. Both of these guys together did this work. And apparently it's a two-person job at least. Now, Nicodemus, who had once come to Jesus privately at night, accompanied Joseph. And together, they carried a significant amount of myrrh and aloes to the cross, or spices. Then they took Jesus' body, wrapped it in strips of linen with embalming spices, according to the Jewish burial customs. Near the place where Jesus was crucified was a garden. And in the garden, there was a new tomb where no one had yet been laid to rest. And because the Sabbath was approaching and the tomb was nearby, that's where they laid the body of Jesus. Do you remember we were also talking about some prophecies that in the Psalms, Psalm 22 and 23 and 24, and other places, there are prophecies throughout the entire Old Testament that point to Jesus coming. And it's not just one or two. You see, if you get one prophecy right, people will listen to you, won't they? You get one really cool prediction right, and you're not allowed to say Leafs are going to lose because... Okay, that's not called a prediction. Um, that's, a, that's something totally different. But let's say you, you, you predict the winning numbers of a small lottery, a very small local lottery. And so you tell your buddy and, and Terry Van Lent that he's given this new information from me. Yes, I'll be the one. I'll give him the revelation of these ticket numbers. And he goes and plays those numbers. He wins. If I come to him again and say, I have new numbers for you. Do you think he'll believe me? Hello, you're awake, right? Can I at least get this? Of course you'd believe me again. He'd come and he'd, he'd be doing this like crazy. It's like uh, Back to the Future when he had that almanac that helped him figure out and win all those. Okay, never mind. The point is this. If one or two prophecies come true, and there's like many, many, and they all come true. There's something credible in the Old Testament that we need to respect. I know there's a conversations today about, ah, oh, you know what, we don't really need the Old Testament anymore. It's, you know, it's Old Covenant. It's not full of grace. Yes, it is. It's filled with grace. Trust me, we can't throw it away. This is an integral part of our our narrative of the life of Christ. Jesus himself referred to these texts himself. you got to take it seriously. It it cannot be just thrown away because you got burned or somebody's clubbing you over the head, taking Old Testament stuff out of context. An example, making you follow all kinds of rules that were never meant for you. You know, that can burn you. Oh, I'll throw the whole thing away. Don't. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's called extremism or your pendulum swings way too far. Let's, let's be mature about this. So here's a prophecy from Isaiah 
53.9, Jesus' body was laid on a bed of spices in a garden tomb. Death came upon the first Adam in a garden of Eden. <laughs> but eternal life surged through the last Adam in the garden of the cross and his, tomb, and his tomb. Man fell in a garden, but man now finds life in that empty garden tomb. I love the parallel of life beginning in a garden, garden of Eden, and then uh, after the fall of however what happened in Adam's mind, now Jesus comes and does the extreme redemption. This, is, this, this all happens in the context of a garden. So these two guys, two leaders, do this. They prepare the body, and off they go. So that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Some people wouldn't know that. Some people have seen the movies of, you know, the, all the women are huddled around his body, and they're kind of getting him ready. But there's a little bit of a trick. The women weren't there at the beginning. They actually came on Sunday morning with spices. That's right. They didn't know. Somehow they didn't know what was being done. So that's, that's interesting. So let's take a look at the resurrection. There are four accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Oh, and Acts, right? Book of Acts. Um, Luke wrote the book of Acts. So really, it's almost like a continuation. Once you get there, you'll see where we cannot get to today. I think by next week we'll be finished uh, the series, and then we'll get into what the early church looked like. What happened because of Jesus? What happened to the disciples who were chicken, like really scared and took off and ran and were in total fear? What happened now with this resurrection? I think the story today and next week you're going to see an inspiration that changed history. And if we can see what they saw, if we can feel what they felt and experience the hope that they had, it may motivate us to believe for even greater things in our lives and for the future. Uh, this is a cartoon by the Naked Pastor. He says, So ladies... Thanks for being the first to witness and report the resurrection. We'll take it from here. Mm -hmm. Remember, the last number of weeks, I've been highlighting how Jesus was the one who came and brought equality, taking women who were not seen as equal, having very little value, and raising them, raising them up to equal. This is so countercultural. Unfortunately, it still is today. And so we need to remember, this is who Jesus spoke to. And there were women teachers. There were women leaders in the New, church, in the, uh, New Testament church. Yep, that, that's right, there were. So get your be out of your bonnet. Because I remember when I first got hired here, Rod was part of the interview. And they asked me what my perspective on women in ministry was. That's a whole different sermon. <laughs> oh, should I go there? Oh, no, okay, never mind. Just kidding. I, I'm going to start it. I'll finish it. But uh, they asked me right away what I thought. And I believe at the time uh, I had done a switch because when I was in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, they had gone through a four-year journey of wrestling with, hey, can women... Because there are texts in the Bible that imply women can't be pastors or women need to be quiet, all that, all that stuff misused. And uh, I, I was exposed to four years of exposure, of seeing all these different lens, and then I was able to arrive at my own conclusion. So by the time I got to Hope Fellowship, I'm thinking, yes, let's go. And it's a good thing, because the women in the room kind of went, mm -hmm, you better answer this right. So <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But this comes from this. This is part of the women liberation from bondage, not superiority. 
Okay? If the women's lib movement is about superiority, I got a problem with it. When men do the same thing and become, try to become superior over anything or anyone, that's wrong too. Sorry, we are equal. We all bring gifts to the table. Discernment, wisdom. Oh my goodness. Like, okay, that's, that's a Jesus thing. All right, let's move on. Matthew 28. The women. Here we go. This is where, Kurt, this is where I might need you to uh, be my clicker for just a moment. So in the book of Matthew, I'm gonna, I want to read this to you. And, and it might be a lot of scripture, but hey, we are in church. So... Um, there we go. <laughs> Matthew 28. You caught that. All right. Good. Matthew 28. So we're going to talk about the women, the guards, the bribery, and the final meeting. And I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. Matthew 28. And the reason I'm going through this is to remind you, since most of you haven't been in Sunday school for 25, 35, 45, 55 years, right? Some of you. But it's true. So you're not going to remember all these stories because you're stuck hearing only what the pastor says on a Sunday and blah, blah, blah. Unless, you're, unless you read stuff yourself, which many do, but not all. So I'm, I'm doing this. That's fine. If there wasn't any coffee in it, it's fine. Otherwise, you get a straw. All right. Just kidding. After the Sabbath ended, at the first light of dawn... On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb. Suddenly, the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him, and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead. When the angel uh, walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, uh, sorry, then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, and sat on top of it. Smile moment. Just think. Lightning everywhere. The guys are scared. Gone. Let's just move this stone, and I'll just kind of boop, pop on it. Okay? Sitting there waiting. Can Can you picture that? I can. Okay. I didn't have much coffee, I promise. The women were breathless and terrified until the angel said to them, there's no reason to be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously just as he said. That's key. Now, looking back in the stories, we can see Jesus often told them, I'm going to have to die, but I will come back to life. I will rise again. He warned them, but they didn't hear. Do you ever have kids who only hear what they want to hear when you're talking to them? Or spouses? <laughs> Same thing sometimes. You know, like the, the, you hear what you want to hear. And they missed that key element, but they were reminded of it later. He isn't here like, like he told you. Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you this message. I am going ahead of you in Galilee, and you will see me there. 
So there's a heads up. Here's where you're going to go. I, I don't remember this part of the story. Like, having gone through this again, it's like, oh my goodness, I forgot a lot of these little tiny details that are kind of cool. They rushed quickly to tell the disciples that their hearts were deep in wonder and filled with great joy. I, I think, well, I'd, I'd be in wonder with an angel showing up like that too. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice! Now, I, he could have said, Boo! <laughs> that would have been more fun. But he didn't. He said, Rejoice! They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet in adoring worship. It was the greatest experience they could experience. Jesus shows up, and it doesn't look like they were afraid. That's one of the few times when an angelic spiritual being reveals itself, himself, and it doesn't say they were afraid. That's really cool. Then Jesus said to them, Throw off all your fears. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. They will find me there. Twice. Angels gave him a heads up. Spiritually, they all know how forgetful humans are. Jesus has to come. Tell them again. Meet you all in Galilee. See you there. Well, there's another part of the story. After the women left the tomb, a few of the guards went to Jerusalem and told the chief priests everything that they had seen and heard. So the chief priests called a meeting with all the religious leaders and came up with a plan. They bribed the guards with a large sum of money and told them, Tell everyone while you were asleep, his disciples came at night and stole his body. If Pilate finds out about this, don't worry. We'll make sure you don't get blamed. Uh, really? You're going to trust these guys? <laughs> As a Roman guard, you're going to really... <laughs> I don't know, just something's a little fishy there. But anyway, they took the money. So they took the money and did as they were told. And that is why the story of the guards is still circulating among the Jews to this day. Meanwhile, the story, the story skips ahead. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still had lingering doubts. Interesting. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. This is how Matthew sums up the story. Some of the other books, they have a couple more details, which you're going to find out very quickly. But how many women are in this story at the tomb? How many are, have arrived? Two. Okay, that's important, because we're going to make a little list over here. One, two. And you're going to kind of keep a running record of the differences between the story. This one, it's clear, the angel tells him, go to Galilee, and then Jesus even tells the women, go to Galilee, and then the disciples, they just take off and go to Galilee. That's, that's, that's all we're told in this account of Matthew. Let's go to Mark. Can I have a click? Thank you. The women, there it is. By the way, this is absolutely consistent across the board. <laughs> the women are the first ones who uh, uh, experience this truth of the resurrection. 
In Mark chapter 16, it's a shorter book. On the first day of the week, as the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob, and Salome made their way to the tomb. How many women? Three in this one. Hmm, interesting. It was very early in the morning, as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromic, um, embalming spices and they, that they might anoint his body. And they had been asking one another, who can roll away the heavy stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But when they arrived, they discovered that the very large stone that had sealed the tomb was already rolled away. And as they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long white robe. Hmm, interesting. The women were startled and amazed. Both. <laughs> but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I know that you're here looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously. So there's two consistencies here that are really important to notice. Uh, he declares to them, I know why you're here. Well, it's almost kind of obvious. <laughs> but uh, still, the fact that he says that and that he declares clearly he has risen. Uh, Look and see the place where they laid him. Run and tell his disciples, even Peter, single up Peter here, even Peter that he is risen. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee and you will see him there just like he told you. And they staggered out of the tomb awestruck with their minds swirling. They ran to tell the disciples, but they were so afraid and deep in wonder they said nothing to anyone. Hmm. Early on the first day of the week, after, the rising, after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. After she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell his disciples, who were all emotionally devastated and weeping. Excitedly, Mary told them, He's alive! I've seen him! You crazy woman! That's what they're thinking. But even after hearing this, they didn't believe her. See, I told you. After this, Jesus appeared to two of the disciples who were on their way to another village, appearing in the form they did not recognize. And we're going to, once we get to the book of John, it's the story of the road to Emmaus. Okay? This, this particular uh, episode does not record all those details. John is far more relationally detailed in his book. It's a great book to read. Uh, after this, Jesus appeared to two of his disciples who were on their way to another village, appearing in a form they did not recognize. They went back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples, but they didn't believe it was true. Where are the disciples? What city? Right. And where's Galilee? North. Like it's, it's, it's a trek. All right? So they're still in Jerusalem at this time. Um, then Jesus appeared before the eleven apostles as they were eating a meal. He corrected them for having such hard, unbelieving hearts <laughs> after they did not believe those who saw him after the resurrection. And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. Ding, ding, ding. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. 
After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. Well, it seems like some stuff got left out of this story, right? Okay, we've got three women now. Uh, He shows up at a meal and boom, suddenly he goes up. Where's the mountain? Well, that's his lens. This is his account. So let's go to John. This is, this is really cool. There's two... Oh, sorry, Luke. Let's go to Luke. Here we go. The women. There we go. I hope this is interesting. I hope you're hearing some things you may not have thought you'd hear. Because to sit down and read these, now you're forced to. Because just like you're in class at school, you have to... Teacher's going over the last, and you got to listen... Well, this is really cool stuff. So in the book of Luke, let's take a look at the account. We're going to look at the women, the open tomb, and two angels this time. Um, then the disciples question the story. Then the running of Peter and all the stuff goes on. Okay, look at this. Very early Sunday morning. So that's pretty consistent, right? Very good. The women made their way to the tomb carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? The first picture of spiritual sarcasm. Okay, There might be more, but we're not aware of it yet. <laughs> he is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was in Galilee? The Son of Man is destined to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day he will rise again. It's like, ha huh, ha, huh, don't you remember? Ha huh, ha, huh, can't you remember? Remember him telling you, ha, huh, remember? Told you so. Told you. <laughs> I was waiting for that part, but it didn't happen. All at once, they remembered his words. That is really, really important. Just that one line. Here's why. Just like Peter, stubborn guy, couldn't remember everything, forgot the passion of the miracles, doubted, meant well, they forgot a lot of stuff. But here, I believe something supernatural happens. I think all the things that they were told, much of it was veiled. They weren't able to fully understand. Remember, we've got 2,000 years of the same story over and over and over and over again. They were hearing it for the first time. And God gave them, the, I think God gave them the ability to suddenly remember, and go, oh my goodness, now it all makes sense which is, I think, kind of cool, which gives us some grace today for when we forget some key things, when we forget how God has been consistent in our lives. We can forget because our circumstances can blind us. But suddenly, somebody may step in and remind you and go, I remember, oh no, why was I so unbelieving? And it's not, you know, living in that guilt of why didn't I believe, but instead jumping into joyful remembrance and keep walking, especially when you're walking through difficult times. I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
And they remembered, sorry, I should have my finger there. All at once they remembered, remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven, to, uh, to all the others of what had been seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense. <laughs> the guys, okay, do, do not catch that. The women came to bring truth. The guys went, yeah, right, prove it. Okay, it's just, okay forget it. If you're not catching that, you're not going to. Uh, when the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they had heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Pause there for a moment. It's true, he did. He took off. But what you're going to find in the next story, which we'll cover next week, uh, there's another companion who runs with them, who outruns Peter because he makes it really clear in the story. Okay, But not in this one. This is Maybe Peter was the one interviewed. Yeah, I ran. Maybe, maybe this is his account. It's, I don't know. It's very possible. Uh, he ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. And there was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away wondering what it meant. Later, that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Amos. Okay, it's not in John, it's in Luke. Um, the journey of about 17 miles. That's a pretty long walk. I have a Fitbit, and I have an idea how long it takes to walk without anything on my backpack or anything, like just, just a water bottle and trying to get those steps up. That's a, that's a pretty good trek, 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the past few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in the journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Okay? Do you remember in the earlier account, uh, the, uh, Jesus appeared to two people, but they didn't recognize him at the time? Uh, that, this is the deeper story now. And it was God preventing them. Folks, what if... Some of our loved ones who we are praying they'll come to believe in this Jesus. What if, for now, they haven't been given that enlightenment? And you're pushing so hard. You're probably causing the wedge. It's like that lady who prayed, Dear God, please remove anything that's preventing my son from coming to know Prima. Anything! Poof, she disappears. Their eyes were not able to see and recognize who he was. Jesus said to them, You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sadly and gloomily? They stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? And Jesus asked, as in played in, What things? As in, yeah, <laughs> Do, do you hear that? Like, I just, if you could just imagine Jesus chuckling with the Holy Spirit inside him. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> I'm going to string him along. <laughs> oh, man, this is so fun. The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Rescue Israel from what? 
Anybody know? Romans. He had no intent of rescuing them from the Romans. He came to rescue them from themselves. He came to reveal the Father and rescue everyone. Hmm. But three days ago, the high priests and rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing, and they said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, Why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterwards enter his glory? Now, a normal disciple walking that road, the guy just finished saying, what things? I don't know what you're talking about. What, what do you mean what's been going on? And now he goes for the jugular? You mean the Messiah? And gets right into serious detail? Come on. I wonder what was going on inside these disciples. Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. What was the scripture back then? Old Testament. We don't throw it away. We look to find Jesus in them. We don't look to it to tell us how to live. Uh-huh. We look to it to discover Jesus, who is our life. Very big difference. Wow. Shoot, I keep losing where I am here. All right. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going to a distant place. He was leading them on. They urged him to remain there and, he, and pleaded, Stay with us. It'll be dark soon. So Jesus went with them to the village, just like dropping a, you know, oh, I got to go now. Why don't you stay for supper? No, it's okay, you know. Meanwhile, you really... You're, you're really hoping they will invite you to stay? Well, Jesus kind of did that. He did something powerful here. Here's the best part of the story. Here it comes. Joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Sound familiar? Like a week ago? All at once, their eyes were opened and they realized it's Jesus! Then suddenly, in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. What just happened? You got to admit, it would freak you out. Yes? Oh, my goodness. I just, I think the reveal is so hilarious. I just, just like Holy Spirit, Jesus and Father going, <laughs> watch their faces. Okay, get a selfie as we were about to disappear. You know, like... <laughs> Just to capture, like, you got to admit, it would be really awesome. <sighs> Sudden, stunned, they looked at each other and said, Why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while he walked be we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. When they found the eleven and the other disciples all together, they overheard him saying, It's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He even appeared to Peter. 
Then the two disciples told the others what had happened to them on the road to Amos and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. While they were still discussing all of this, Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes. Startling and terrifying, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost standing there among them. So, two of them had already a bit of a sneak peek of what it's like to have kind of poof, poof, you know, from not from being there to now being gone. But now from not being there to boom, suddenly he's there. What gives? There is something profound going on. And they thought they were seeing a ghost because material can't do that, can it? <laughs> well, this is quite profound. Standing there, he said, Be at peace, Jesus. I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your hearts, for I am. Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourself, it is I standing here alive. Touch me. Know that my wounds are real. See that I have a body of flesh and bones. He showed them his pierced hands. It's almost like show and tell. <laughs> hey guys, take a look. Woohoo, see? Put your finger in. This is real. Look at that. See? Woohoo, I can see through. No more peekaboo, you know? It, sorry. They were totally stunned. Touch me. See for yourself. They were ecstatic, unable to comprehend what was going on. Knowing what they were still wondering, if he was real, Jesus said, here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. Ghosts don't eat. He was fully human. Fully God. And now was living out of his divinity. It's a big, big switch. They handed him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and watched him eat it. Then he said to them, Don't you remember the words I spoke to you when I was still with you? I told you everything written about me would be fulfilled, including all the prophecies of the laws of Moses through the Psalms and the writings of the prophets that would all find fulfillment. Next week, we're going to finish off this little section. It's only like 10 more verses, maybe. And uh, look at the ascension. But Jesus cared for people. He didn't just come to do the deed for the whole world. He spent time with his friends. Those he had relationships with. And next week we'll see the, unless it's is it coming up. Yeah, it'll be next week. It'll be the redemption of Peter. The one who denied him three times. That is an amazing part of the story we cannot forget. Let's pray. We can turn off live stream now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love through your son Jesus who reveals the love of the Father to us. I pray today we can look at these stories with new hope and a new anticipation that we are in that story as well that we were in Christ when he died, and we were in Christ when he rose. Therefore, we are in Christ, and now we need to walk in that reality. Wake us up to a deeper experience of your internal joy.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.